I remember four chairs arrived for Shiva because obviously my father had passed away. I was outside with my brother-in-law and he, we were bringing them in and I said to them, oh wait, no, there's five of us. <gasps> oh. And my brother-in-law was like, no, not, there's not anymore. You're listening to Your Jewish Life, Your Way with Karen Cinnamon, the podcast that explores what it feels like to be Jewish or Jewish in 2023. On the show, we divulge all of the secrets and know-how to being confident in celebrating and living your Jewish life, your way, with easy, simple ways to embrace your mishpacha through the traditions and rituals you've been dying to learn more about. So save your kvetching. We're talking less Jewish guilt and more Jewish joy here on out. Yalla, forget about the right and wrong ways to be Jewish. It's time to create a Jewish life you love living. So today's podcast episode, I won't lie, it's a difficult one for me to record, but a vital and necessary one and one that I decided I wanted to do just over a year ago in November 2021, a couple of weeks after my mum died, I just found such comfort in the Jewish morning rituals that helped me in those difficult first weeks after her death that say not just helped me that saved me it was actually Emily who works with me at your Jewish life who said maybe when you're ready it would be great to do an episode about Jewish mourning and Jewish grief to help listeners who maybe are going through the same thing or who are dreading something like this coming up in their lives for whatever reason so I wanted to do it with a pal, with a friend, and sadly, someone who's obviously also lost someone dear to them far too young. That person was Ben M. Freeman, a wonderful previous podcast guest. He's the author and activist. I absolutely love his books. We've linked to them in the show notes. He's just a shining light. And he sadly lost his father too soon in 2017. I lost my mother in 2021. We both had quite different grief experiences, but we both felt so lucky to be Jewish and to have these millennia old frameworks to lean on for getting through life's hardest moments. So I'm going to dive right into the conversation with myself and Ben sharing our experiences. I hope you find this helpful. As always, please DM me at Your Jewish Life if you need to talk, or we've also got a dedicated grief group sub-community inside Smashing Life, my private Jewish community. Whatever it is, you know that you've got a friend. This is a difficult episode for me, but something I very much wanted to do, as did my guest Ben M. Freeman, who you've heard before on the podcast. So I'm actually handing over to Ben to get started on this incredible, important, nourishing, everything topic. Well, thank you so much for having me. And thank you for having this conversation with me, you know, because this is going to be a conversation. I lost my father almost six years ago. He passed away in February 4th, 2017. And I think that what I realized in the aftermath of his passing was how lucky I felt to be Jewish. And that, you know, as the author of the Jewish Pride books and the founder of the Jewish Pride movement. I obviously have always loved being Jewish, but I never really thought about it with regards to our morning rituals. I've spoken to a lot of people since my first book came out in 2021 about the fact that our morning rituals were a source of pride and a source of comfort. And every single person I'd spoken to who has suffered loss understood what I was talking about. And I think it may sound quite strange to people to say, 
the mourning rituals made me proud to be Jewish because, you know, pride and mourning is, is kind of a strange combination. But I felt that when my father passed away, that I was handed a guide of how to mourn. And when I've spoken to non-Jewish people who have, who have also lost someone, they felt like they didn't know. They felt lost. They felt kind of out to sea, as it were. But I knew exactly what had to be done because it was the same things that were done for, you know, millennia. And my father had been ill for about two and a half years before he passed away. And I was living in Glasgow the first year of his illness and then the last so six or so months and I was helping care for him. And I would dread the funeral mm. because, you know, it was something that particularly laterally I knew was coming. Um, I'd never thank God, buried a parent before, buried someone who was, you know, that close to me. And it w- it gave me a lot of anxiety. Like I used to lie awake at night, yeah. kind of dreading his funeral. But, you know, the way it worked out is that I found the whole structure of our morning rituals designed to kind of make it as easy as possible. So my father passed away on the 4th of February, which was a Saturday night. My Sister was with my mother and my father in Scotland and my brother and his family were in Israel. So they had to get to the UK, get to Glasgow. And I was actually visiting Hong Kong at the time. So I wasn't in Glasgow when my father passed away, which I have to say, people react often when I tell them that, especially because they know I cared for my father. And they're, they're sorry for me that I wasn't in Glasgow, but actually... I don't know if I, I don't know if I could have coped with it. So I <laughs> was really was quite glad to not be. Mm. To I was glad to be coming into it. So I found out. So by the time I got back to Scotland was Monday. So his funeral was the Tuesday, I believe Tuesday the seventh of February, and I was still in shock. Right, this is the thing that I'm sure you've experienced this as well. That even if someone is ill it's still shocking when they go. And people often kind of assume that just because someone has been ill for a long time or someone is older, that actually you're not in a state of shock because shock isn't just being surprised. Shock is almost a physical reaction, right? So I was not surprised, but I certainly was still in shock. And that was kind of incredibly helpful because his funeral was, you know, three days after he passed away. So I was still in shock. I don't really remember a huge amount of it. Well, it's a shock because we don't know how to cope without our parents. We've never known it. And yeah, so I can, I, I really resonated with what you said at, right, right at the beginning about you felt so lucky to be Jewish. I didn't feel, I didn't, you know, only maybe later on did I feel that pride. It was more about lucky and fortunate because Judaism and Jewish rituals and Jewish values and Jewish traditions were there to sort of swoop me up when I needed lifting up. For me, it's very hard to talk about it, but I'll get the the crying moment out of the way and then I'll be okay. It happened just over a year ago in October 2021. I've talked about it on the podcast, but you know, I've wanted to record this episode. I'm so happy and lucky to be recording it with you. And this is an episode that I think is needed out there. And it's just our experiences. So my experience was, you know, I don't want to go into what what happened with my mom, but she's such a private person. I want to respect that. But safe to say, like you, it was a shock, a huge shock. Slightly differently to you was my mom was um, Israeli. 
had lived in London for how many years? I gosh, I don't know, 40, 50 years. And we'd all known for decades, you know, it wasn't a surprise that both my parents wanted to be buried in Israel for their final destination. So we had all sort of those logistics couldn't, we had to deal with. It was towards the end of COVID. So it wasn't easy at all for my dad. My husband helped a lot. My brother was in America. So he flew over, be with us first. Then we went over to Tel Aviv. I'd say between her death and traveling to Israel, where our extended family are, we were here for about four or five days. And so we could organize everything. And it wasn't so much any religious aspects that came in in those days, because obviously, normally you're meant to bury as soon as possible, but we couldn't because we had to get her to Israel with COVID and everything. It was more the Jewish culture that saved us in those days, you know, meals being dropped off, friends feeling, you know, nourishing, comfort, you know, just, just, just everything that I love about being Jewish. Yeah. But it was only kind of in hindsight, of the funeral, which we'll, we'll talk about together, and the shiva in, in in Israel. When I came back from all that, that I just thought, or during, I just thought, "Wow, I'm so lucky to be Jewish." Because the shiva was a duvet of love, just being coated in love and support from family and friends. And the funeral was so beautiful, so raw and simple, and it was just perfect. And it was. I, it almost felt unplanned, you know, because we, like you say, we have the framework. We don't yeah. need to plan it. And I want to say something, like when you said something there about your mother's funeral being raw, I find that to be so fascinating because I um, was very lucky to have had non-Jewish friends kind of travel up to Scotland no. or travel around Scotland to be at the funeral. And they've all, and I think it was the first Jewish funeral that most of them had been to. And the thing they always said to me was, they didn't use the word raw, they used the word brutal. And to them, I understand it, right? Because firstly, it was in February, my father's funeral. So it was it was snowing. My little Israeli nephew, that was the first time he'd ever seen snow. <laughs> so earlier in the day, he wasn't at the funeral. But, you know, we're standing in the Tara house and it's freezing and everyone is just standing around and then the coffin is brought in and then it's it's a short distance from the Tara house to the actual uh, burial plot and then you know we'd we shoveled dirt in and and it was over quite quickly and it was raw and it wasn't dressed up I find that reality right because that's what it's written in reality the reality of this person is gone we're not going to dress it up in hymns or in flowers yes. or in whatever we're going to address it. And I just found that to be so, and I thought it was such an interesting, you use the word raw, which is a word, now you say it, it's like, well, that's the perfect word. But I totally understood where my non-Jewish friends were coming from. And actually, I remember the, the his, my father's coffin was brought in like after a period. I honestly, like it's, I kind it's of blocked. a, bit of a blur for you, yeah. Yeah. But I, I was shocked. Like, I remember, like, gasping when they brought his Can I ask how old you were or what decade yeah, no, you? <laughs> it, was, it was a week after my 30th birthday. Oh, that's too young. So that was, yeah. that was hard. And it was hard because it was my, you know, every year around my birthday is his yard site, which mm. is obviously a very, and we can, we can talk about yard site. Funny but. enough, my mum my died five days after my birthday. Wow. So. Yeah, it's, I, I knew someone whose father passed away not long after their 21st. And it's, it does, I say to people now about my birthday, 
or about my book launches, that everything is now just a little bit sad because these are things that my father should have been at. Um, And he's not. And, you know, but like the funeral, we have to confront it. And I find that Jewishness and Judaism really enabled the confronting of this experience because it is a life-changing experience to lose a parent changes your life because there's a before and there's an afterwards yeah but even you know as a man you know I'm you know me I guess fairly well and I'm quite vain I you know these are not <laughs> these recordings are not seen by anyone it's just you know, I have a conversation but I will always do my hair and get dressed up um and the not shaving for the yeah. 30 days I found to be so as someone who is vain I found to be so powerful because it was you know, like the rawness, like the confrontation of this um, this experience, it was really recognising it and looking it in the face. And, you know, whenever I looked in the mirror, because I think the the mirrors are, un- are, cover- are uncovered after the shiva, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, that is, uh, it was quite different in, in Israel, which I'll tell you about in a moment, but yeah. So I remember when I was looking at myself in the shiva and I could kind of like see myself not looking the way I usually looked, not being groomed the way I usually looked, but actually it, it feeling like that was correct. Mm. Like it's that I, rawness again, isn't yes, it? It's, that there's rawness. no need to, 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 to look anything other than your raw. Yeah, yourself. exactly. And for your outward self to rep, to kind of represent your inner emotions at that point, because we're all very good at dressing ourselves up and putting on a smile even if we're in immense amounts of pain and well, this that, that's pain. what I love about the shiver is that you're not meant to you know you here's a period where you're not meant to put on the smile people are coming to comfort you yeah. specifically and it's it's so liberating but I was crying when you'd said um there's a life before and a life after <laughs> and it's exactly that and I don't know about you or what did you say you're seven years on no four years on six six years on you see my brain's not working because of because of the tears i i still don't really believe it and pretend it's you know i'm just still in that denial phase maybe we'll talk about that in a minute i'm very contented and happy in my day to day and you know it just it just and i've yeah i've managed to i would like to hopefully we have time to talk about how we both handled grief you know non-jewishly as well just in the day-to-day world because i think that would help because I feel like I've done really really well actually and dealt with it really healthily so you know in Israel what was beautiful we were asked you know Israel being Israel we were actually asked did we want a rabbi or did we not want a rabbi like you don't have to do it the religious way if you don't want because you're in Israel for goodness sake it feels so spiritual and special and we decided not to have the religious aspect of the rabbi because we didn't know the rabbi and it would have felt yeah. impersonal so it was literally just the coffin outdoors with the family and friends and my uncle read the most beautiful piece my mom's brother my mom's one of five and you know everyone was obviously in shock and from from her death and she, he read something beautiful and then um actually eat each of the sisters read something and and, and my dad um and that's what I meant about the raw emotion like it was just us telling out how it is 
how we felt and then we walked to the plot and that for me I don't know if if you have a specific moment but for me the worst moment was the sort of coffin going down and saying that last goodbye and and then actually because I'd had to wait those days you know between her death so she died on a Sunday the funeral was on the Friday in Israel it felt better. It felt better after the funeral. And that's when I realized yes. again, how lucky we are to be Jewish that we Good. have the funeral immediately after so that we can feel better. I um, totally agree. Yeah. I think the funeral also, it marks, because it is, it's that, it's, it's that ability. It's the, the physical saying goodbye, you know, and, yes, the physical saying goodbye. and you get to physically say goodbye and then that that in a sense gives you space. Like I found I find Shiva to be such an extraordinary creation. How many but days it, was your your Shiva? So his funeral was on the Tuesday. So we just sat it until the Thursday. We just did three day, three nights. I yeah, think. we did too, funny enough. <laughs> um, but I found it to be extraordinary. Like, you know, because for you in your situation, there was a, a, a slight time gap, but yes. you were organizing quite intense logistics i imagine yes we were we had to get her there we had to get yeah, of course right so you you we have the funeral and as quickly as humanly possible and that obviously doesn't always mean the next day but that you have it and then you're able to kind of step away for a second so like and then go into the shiva which is still structured it's not like Okay, we have the sh- the funeral, and then we're we're kind of freed, flying mm. in the wind. Oh, we're still anchored, but there is something. I think a funeral is a very significant point in the grieving process because it's that physical saying goodbye. We're watching that coffin go down. You know what's who is inside there, and and you can't believe it. You just yeah, nothing yeah, can prepare you for it. Shocking. So you get to you get to then deal with that kind of inevitability, which I think everyone has to go through, due or non-due. But we then have the structure in the following days, which I think would be so incredible. Yeah. And like you said earlier about you were lying awake at night anxious, you know, I was lying awake at night anxious from a, a child. Like it doesn't matter if they're ill or not. You, you know, I, it was always my greatest fear to lose a parent, specifically if I'm honest, my mother, because we were just so close. You couldn't, you couldn't be closer from a very young age. And I, it was my greatest fear in life. And so that's why for me, it's so empowering to do this episode, talk about it, know that you can have these enormous fears. And actually when I think of the funeral and even that moment, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel sad. Like sad is not, I mean, it's so sad that it's, you know, sad is not the right word. It's just so powerful. And but equally, I'll never get over that moment. Um, but equally, there's so much love around you and so much love for that person. And there's just there's so many things that we couldn't uh, even describe that you can't prepare yourself for. And there's no point worrying about. And it's just, you know, it's I can't I couldn't use words. You're probably more eloquent than me. But and then I, you go I, and, yeah, go ahead. I I just think it's it's a profound thing that every person goes through and you, you know, you can't prepare for it, but as Jews, we are given something really extraordinary. I mean, that's what I felt. And that's what you're describing this structure. I knew exactly 
Okay, so I, I arrived back to Glasgow from Hong Kong on the Monday. Okay, what do we have to do on the Monday? Well, we have to have the Shiva chairs delivered. And that was a really significant moment for me in the structure of kind of the logistics that when the Shiva chairs came and they're oh. the, the shorter chairs. Yeah, right? yeah. At Shiva, which is the, I guess we should say, right? Definitely, yeah. That is prayers in the, the home of the mourners following the funeral and Shiva Shev means set and also Shiva means seven so it's generally for around seven days but both in our cases both were three days and basically you have like a short prayer ceremony at the home and people can come and pay respects but it's it anchors you in because you know exactly what you're doing okay that night and then the next night and it is a way to process your grief because at each of these uh, Shiva ceremonies we say Kaddish which is the mourner's prayer. And I've got a lot of feelings about Kaddish, very positive feelings actually about Kaddish. But at the Shiva, we sit on smaller chairs. The mourners sit on small chairs, like short chairs, almost like little baby chairs. And when I, I, and I had, we, we had a family of five, kind of excluding now my siblings, partners and spouses and their kids. It was always the five of us. And I remember four chairs arrived for Shiva because obviously my father had passed away and I was outside. Yeah, I know. Right. I was outside with my brother-in-law and he, we were bringing them in and I said to them, Oh wait, no, there's five of us. Oh, my brother-in-law. Yeah. This is, uh, I find that very moving. My brother-in-law was like, no, not there's not anymore. And that was a very significant moment in kind of my and that moment when I tell that story, it always chokes me up. Like it, it was oh, very, and I, and I guess I would have had it in some other way, right? It wasn't like I only had it because it was a Jewish thing. But it was yeah. significant that it was, because I think it's important also as mourners to honor the person you're mourning for me anyway. And I presume for you in a Jewish way, that is what my dad wanted, you know? So for my realization that he was gone to be so connected to a part of this Jewish process and not kind of just getting on with life, I think is was significant. Just want to take a brief moment to tell you about my community, Smashing Life. It's a beautiful Jewish community that I'd absolutely love you to be a part of. It's a place to build the life you want on your terms, empowered by a community of like-minded Jewish women from all over the world. We have masterclasses and parties and get-togethers and socials and so much more. Um, Why don't I hand over to Ashley, one of our members from Los Angeles, and she can tell you what it's all about. So my favorite thing about being in Smashing Life is that it provides access to basically a group of friends where it's safe to share things that are good, that are bad, and things that you would never share publicly, like, I just took a pregnancy test and it came back negative. This sucks, everybody commiserate with me, or someone at work just threw me under the bus, and you know, people are so supportive, or you get to share something positive, like, you know, I just got a promotion at work, but I can't share it yet because it hasn't been announced yet. You can just share everything with each other and get you know support you can get just your group of friends cheering you on or commiserating with you supporting you for whatever you need and it's it's so special so there you have it that smashing life it's an incredible community membership club for jewish women and i'd love you to join just head to smashinglife.club smashinglife.club and join today
So it's interesting in my case, my mom being Israeli and a very typical Israeli, and obviously the fact that she wanted you know, to be buried in Israel shows what Israel means to her. Having loved living in London all these years and loved her London life, she wanted to go home, you know, for her final destination. And actually the Shiva was quite a different experience for me than what you're describing because Shivas in Israel are different, which I didn't realize unless you're uh, properly religious. So unless you're, you know, the more religious member uh, in society in Israel, people don't have the chairs and they also don't do prayers. So I loved hearing that for you, like the prayer was the sort of framework element. And whereas for me, why Shiva, the Shiva sort of saved me and did nourished me is because it was purely about people coming to be with us and to, to remember them, my mom and to talk about my mom. And like, I just wanted to at the Shiva. So we had two sessions. We had a sort of, I think it was a 10 till one and then a four till eight or something like that. And I just wanted to soak up stories of my mom from her childhood or just hear anything I could. We had a a memory book as well. That was my idea. I wanted a book, not of condolences, but my mom was very colorful, fun, creative. She was one of a kind. So everyone had something to say about her that was different on each page, although there was a lot of colorful and creative. (laughs) And so we had a book where people could, you know, write down their stories because I want to remember them forever and I want my kids and everything. So that was lovely. But for me, what why Shiva was so incredible and I'm so so thankful to be Jewish is because there's this automatic process when you need it the most for everyone to come around you, support you, lift you up and talk about, like you said, talk about this person because that's all anyone wants to do at the Shiva. Well, anyway, that's how it was in Israel. Funny enough, at the time recording, um, just a few days ago, I went to a shiver of a very good friend's father and it was a, in London. And there was obviously lots of people there because it's kind of maybe in-laws, friends, okay, you know, and it was after the prayers for what it's worth. Like a lot of the people were gathering amongst themselves and not necessarily talking about this person because not a lot of people there maybe knew this person really well. They they were there to support the the mourners. Whereas at my mum's, it was a bit of a smaller more intimate again raw raw intimate it's israel you know it's israel we don't it's all very in your face you know so you're you're there to support the mourners and talk about the person that we've all lost and it was and and you know and i look back and i just think it was perfect as it was and then she had a very big circle of friends in london so two weeks later in london we had a sort of celebration of zmira event at the shawl where you know a few people spoke and everyone who loved her in London could come and and, yeah. and respect and it was just actually worked out perfectly because if we would have done everything in London she wouldn't have had that celebration evening and that she she deserved it and was befitting for it so again that's sort of my path with the immediate rituals and it just worked it's what I needed and I'm so grateful yeah. It does. It does work because I remember, you know, referencing the not shaving and not cutting my hair. I remember after the thirty days, so it must have been the beginning of March. Like I made a hair appointment and I shaved and I went to get a haircut and I kind of recognised who I saw in the mirror. You know, mm-hmm. I felt. Yeah. I really did feel lighter. I was like, "Wow, well, we've got through these thirty days. That is kind of." you know, done. And I know that kind of more religious people will say Kaddish every day. Yep. And I actually did do that for a period. Um, 
but I, my life became a bit crazy um after afterwards after he passed away um and i think it's interesting now you know i'm six years on or so and the first year the first western anniversary was very important to me um so the 4th of february 2018 and it was almost a year that was around in february 2018 was when his stone setting was which i i did find to be moving and profound there was something, a separation, a separateness, mm. a separation of my, my emotions, or maybe it was a disassociation, in all honesty. But after the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth year, the kind of moment which is the most significant in me being able to commemorate my father is his yard site, which is the anniversary, the Hebrew anniversary. So we have our own calendar. So my father passed away on the 4th of February 2017, but he also, that that uh, equated to a day in the Hebrew calendar. Yeah. So, and the Hebrew calendar is the day that I now commemorate. I don't even really- Oh, really? Very, I don't pay very much attention to the 4th of February. So sometimes I'll have it like, I'll clock it. But no, I mean, the first year I did, the first year felt- and, and big the deal, yeah. The first, time, the first year was a big deal, but then afterwards, no. But it's what I, again- find to be so incredible is yard site. So we have this moment once a year on the Hebrew anniversary of the person's passing to kind of stop and remember them. And we light a yard site candle, which is a special candle that stays lit for 25 hours. And I'm always kind of amazed by that, actually. I'm always like the science of like, how does this candle stay lit? Um, <laughs> and then we say Kaddish. And Kaddish is an interesting prayer because it, if you read the translation, it's all about God. It's just about exalting God's name and blah, blah, blah. It's not about death or the person at all. That's right. But I find it to be so, so moving. And I don't think I've managed, I don't think I've managed once to get through the whole, And because really, I can talk about this. You know, I had a little wobbly moment earlier, but I, six years, you know, five and a bit, six years on, can talk about this much more than I used to be able to. You know, like I really, I couldn't even, I still don't really, but I couldn't even say the words he died. I had to say he passed away. And one of my friends had said to me, your father died. I was like, I don't want to hear that word. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. He passed away because died felt so, I don't know. It just, to me, it felt really too much. Um, But I can talk about it and it's mostly fine. But every single year on his yard site, I like, read Kaddish and I like burst into tears yeah I sob and I sob on my partner that must be a great release for you it is it is a great release and it's also I think and it's not about you know putting it away and you bottle it up until the next year because this is something you know we're having a conversation about it now it's something that it's kind of always with you but to have that opportunity once a year to really step back into the grief yeah. Because you it doesn't go away. The grief doesn't really go away. You just kind of get used to it. You kind of just get used to someone not being there. Um, that was it my experience. It goes away. Yeah. We adjust. It, yeah. But, you know. to step, but to step back into it and be allowed to read this prayer and really focus on what has happened and sob. I mean, I really like, I don't, I don't even know if I get through the whole thing. I like sob. Wow. Well, we we just had um, the one year anniversary in October, and that followed by the outside. So, for we actually, it was a very big deal for us. Uh, we flew to Israel to be there because obviously we can't visit, you know, anytime we feel like it. So, we went there, and my my husband joined us. He wasn't able to come the funeral because he had to stay to be with the kids. And I should add that I've got an incredible 
large and incredibly loving close family in Israel who was just everything we all needed during the Shiva process. So anyway, so we 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 flew to Israel specifically a month ago or so for, for the one year. My husband was able to come and my kids actually, and they really wanted to visit the grave. You know, I said, well, before we went away, yeah, obviously we were in Tel Aviv, we went to the beach, we did the other things apart from that day. And in advance, I said, you know, what are you most excited about for Israel? And the girl said, we, we want to see Omi's grave. <laughs> and on that note, I just want to add, this is one of the best pieces of advice someone gave me that I want to share in case it helps anyone listening is my girls were fairly young when she died, what, six and eight or something like that, or seven, six and seven. And I never want, and never want them to forget her. Just like, you know, if you choose to have children, you may want them to, to know who your father was. And, And the way to make sure that memory is always there is talk about this person every day and we do and you know Omi would have loved this oh we're eating this she loves this food and you know they're so connected to her and someone said to me just keep talking about her all the time and it's so simple and you just sort of get in the habit anyway so that's why they were so into sort of going to this trip to Israel it was it was very spiritual and wonderful seeing her and then for the yard site which was a few weeks later in London and obviously it's you know, for want of a better phrase, it's just some, it is the lunar calendar anniversary, but it's a random date in the Western Western calendar that you have to properly put in your diary to remember, (laughs) you know, so it was in the middle of a a week, you know, and I, you know, you have those moments that you talked about and you, you try to adjust and get on with your life in a healthy way. And then suddenly this day and this, and I was just sobbing in advance of lighting the candle like an hour or two before, because Again, it's it's that denial. Like I just didn't. I don't want to be lighting a yard site for my mother. Or every time I see she's an artist, so she's in catalogues or exhibitions or whatever, and things like that. And now I see her birthday and her death date, and I can't stand that. And it was the same with the yard site. Like it's yeah. But going back to your point also about the reminder. But then I was like, right. But the yard site is there to bring you back to those feelings yeah. that you're masking every single day because it's always there, isn't it, Ben? We just mask it. Way. And it's and I sh- it's so interesting what you said about sobbing before because I get nervous before. Yeah, yeah. Like for the day of his yard site, knowing I have to light the candle. Yeah. That I so get it doesn't in- get easier six. Years. No, I, I mean I, it. <laughs> No, it doesn't actually. No. That doesn't. I found that doesn't. I mean, I, again, so his yard site in January will be six years and I'm sure it'll be the exact same structure, which has, which it has been for the last, you know, five, which was great nerves before, like even the day of, because you know what's coming. Yeah. And I also know it's like very strange because in a sense that, you know, you're about to step back into it and that itself yeah. is because it's quite an overwhelming thing but yeah great nerves before lighting it and then lighting it and then really like not being able to get through and sobbing on my partner's shoulder and the thing that's funny interesting what you used the word sad earlier that is something I I find I find myself saying is it's just so sad yeah when I'm really like when I'm sighing when I'm sobbing on my partner's shoulder and he's comforting me yeah it's but it's a very I find that everything about it, the the morning rituals, is is designed to help us and to create a permanence to the memory. You know, even the idea that we don't place flowers on the graves, right? Like a lot of people, a lot of that, yeah. 
my non-Jewish friends were like, what, what are you doing? What's happening with the stones? And then a Jewish person would explain to them that, you know, we don't place flowers. And I believe the reason is because flowers die and you want to create like a permanent. Oh, that's beautiful. That, that is what I've heard. There mm. might be other explanations, but even that, like the idea that we place a stone that like, and then you go to some graves, like you go to Schindler's grave in Jerusalem and it's completely covered with stones mm. and it's to mark the people who have been there again it's that permanence because yes they've gone physically but they live on in your minds and your hearts and everything about our mourning rituals designed to I guess facilitate the mourning process but in a way which as you said the word you've said a couple of times healthy in a way which feels healthy. It does feel healthy to step back into it and be very upset. It does feel healthy. Then to step back out of it. We can't yes. be the whole time. No, no, it's it's not not, not right. Um, so you use the word sort of it's so sad, but for me, I don't I don't really use that word. I feel about I, the word that really I feel is loss. I feel mm. a lot of loss. I I I I miss, you know, when I'm very sad, I just think I miss her so much. And I think about that sad to me is at this stage of grief and my own personal experience. And, you know, this is what's so beautiful. Two Jewish people both feeling lucky to be Jewish, two completely different experiences um, is just, you know, missing everything. She gave the love she gave to me that is gone. And, you know, the Jewish cultural phrase that has never really gave a second thought to until she died and I've discovered no I knew this phrase but it's not that I've discovered it I've discovered that it's meaning to me since she died is Lador Vador from generation to generation so I'm my mission is to continue shining her light she was an incredibly powerful impactful person who achieved so much and did so much and gave so much. And I want to continue shining her light. And I realized that really everything she gave to me as a mother is so that I could survive without her. (laughs) That's the greatest lesson our parents could give us to know how to survive without her. And I also think like, you know, speaking of phrases, I think that what we say to it, because in the UK, we say, I wish you a long life. Which, oh, I hate that. I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't I'm not offending that. anyone when I say that. It just doesn't oh, resonate. Listen, I, I, I'm kind of used to it because I've heard it so much, but the, the phrase that I came across, which is much more, in my opinion, and my emotional connection, stronger, is may his or her memory be a blessing. Yes. Like, I think that is so beautiful. And I think it's so beautiful. That, and that kind of sums it up, right? It's This is about... The mourning process is about helping us, but also celebrating, celebrating this person. Because Shiva, yes, of course, it's an opportunity for us to kind of be grounded in what's happening after the the kind of immediate shock of a very quick funeral. But it's also a way to celebrate them, as exactly as you yeah. spoke about, right? The the speaking about your mother um, and the celebrating her, and that's what that's what we're meant to do. But I do really feel so incredibly lucky and I felt so incredibly lucky like I really this was this was a strong feeling I had um but you know it's it doesn't it it, the yard site is so important as we've said because it allows you to step back into it because I don't I don't necessarily think I feel it every day anymore but I feel it during the big big life moments you know I've published two books and my father was an incredibly proud Jew and incredibly 
focused on history and Jewish history and Jewish culture. Le so dor, I, dor, you see? <laughs> that's it. And actually, I dedicated my first book to him and my mom, which was a very moving thing to, to do for me. But those are the moments where, I, like, you know, at the just before my my second book launch, or yeah. when I'm doing when I'm doing some kind of high profile stuff about the book or my work, yeah, those are the moments. And that's what I said. Like, it's it's always a little bit sad, but I really feel comforted. I feel comforted as a Jew, and and because the mourning process is is designed to support us as mourners, which I find, I, oh, really, I can't, like, it sounds very strange and maybe people who are listening to this who have not lost someone won't really understand. But to those of you who have lost someone and who are kind of resonating slightly with what we're saying, it's such an exceptional manifestation of Jewish pride and Jewish empathy and, and really Jewish joy yeah. to have these built-in frameworks I felt like someone handed me a guidebook and I was like okay like 30 days this is what you're going to do so I did it I went along my way and I did it and it made it easier yeah and I would just Ben and I want you know to to open up the conversation you know if you've got anything to say in response or you're resonating or you've got more questions first of all in the show notes we'll put some links to sort of you know more about the Jewish morning rituals you can really understand them if there's anything we've talked about that you haven't understood and also dm me at your jewish life or ben on twitter or instagram at ben and freeman if you've got anything to say we'd love to hear your thoughts as well one thing i just want to say add which from something of you said and then i want to have got one more theme that i want us to just close off with is you were talking you know we talked about that i wish you long life that i personally am not a fan of and there's another one that sometimes people say which is May we meet on happier occasions or something like that. And when people said that to me, I know that's a typical, typically Jewish thing, but I only tend to hear them at, at Jewish funerals and funerals. And when somebody said that, every time someone said that to me, whether it was in, in Israel or in, or in London, I'd say, no. I said, no, I need you here on this sad occasion. I want to meet you here on the sad occasion. Life ah. is not just for the happy occasions. No. I challenge that, you know, and they were like, yeah, actually, I, I think you might, yeah. so, you know, not just, to, but what I want to say is like, sometimes we just mindlessly, we don't know what else to say. So we kind of mindlessly say, I wish you a long life or mindlessly, but like, you can just change traditions, change yes. words, change, or, you know, just, just yeah. feel natural to say whatever. And I do think people, I do think people get very stressed speaking to someone in mourning. And I would say to, to everyone, because, you know, me included, it's like, say something you know sometimes people don't say anything and the fact that someone is showing up the fact that you know may may their memory be a blessing is such a beautiful thing and it's it's so sincere and so that i find to be such a beautiful phrase that kind of because it is you're, you're going to and this is one of the reasons i kind of dreaded the funeral because that was the worst moment of my life and i had all of these people watching me because it's not like a christian funeral where the family are sitting at the front and everyone is behind them sitting in rows that wasn't what my father's funeral was like we were kind of sitting standing at the back of a room and then there was almost like a horseshoe shape and then on either side of the walls there was people standing and watching and it's incredibly vulnerable and i did feel very exposed because there i was trying not to burst into tears and you know tens and tens and tens of people are standing there watching me and all you know meaning to be there with love but it's 
in those moments when you are speaking to someone who has lost someone, the fr- exactly because we've said, like the phrase, may their memory be a blessing, I find to be so, it's so, it's profound. And also helps you as the, the, the person in the situation who's visiting the mourner, whether it's Shiva, whether it's a funeral, get over the awkwardness because it is a bit awkward, right? It yeah. is, you're, you're intruding on someone. There yeah. is an intrusion into the worst moments of this person's life. Yes. So again, for them to draw from our Jewish tradition to help make it easier for them is also okay and also beautiful and, and wonderful. Yeah. And um, the other thing that really helped me, as I've touched on earlier, is just any memories of that person, share any stories, yeah. any memories is so wonderful because all we want to do is keep the, keep the memory alive. And again, everyone's very different. So for me, I felt very connected and comforted when someone looked to me with re- really genuinely in the eye and said, I'm, I'm so sorry, or gave me a heartfelt hug. And that was enough. Whereas my brother didn't like people saying I'm sorry and all this. So, you know, we all react Definitely. differently. And, um, but as long as I think it's, it comes from a heartfelt place, but as Ben said, do say something. So, well, I think it's would be beneficial to close with actually talking about any, rituals or things we've done since that have helped us through the grieving process to where we are today I, I think we're both in I like I can say for myself I feel good good day to day I've achieved actually a lot in the year since she passed you have too what do you think's you go first what do you think's helped you through the grieving process in general I think so I'll speak about it from a Jewish perspective and I'll just speak about it kind of more generally. The two things were Kaddish and Yartzeit. So I did say, I don't remember how long I said Kaddish for, but I, there was a period I said Kaddish every day. And it ground, like, you know, it's the reason I wear a kippah. I wanted to, I want to be ground into my Jewishness. I want to be rooted into my Jewishness. And that was a way to kind of root myself into my Jewishness. A, as a way to commemorate and celebrate, but also as kind of life because life does continue, right? Like my pa- my mother sold the family home not long after my father passed away. So there was a lot of like admin and logistics and I moved back to Hong Kong. So to be kind of grounded into that experience in a Jewish way was really important. And then Yartzeit, to be given this opportunity to step back into it was really, um, was really, is really profound. And then I think the thing that, kind of as you're saying with your, your children I think talking about him, I will often reference him. And I, one of the things I find the most difficult is that other people won't bring him up to me. There are certain friends that will, but a lot of people won't yeah. because they're afraid they're of upsetting. to go there, yeah. Because actually I want, I want to talk about him. I want to even just reference him in passing, being like, you know, my dad likes whiskey. Like it's, you know, just having that reminder daily or, or you know, not this even daily, but often. But I've that is what I found slightly tricky is that other people don't want to speak to them, speak to you about it because they don't necessarily feel comfortable. But speaking about him yes. and and thinking about how I wanted to honor him, you know, being quite purposeful. And I'm not gonna sit here and, and say that my work is all a tribute to him because that's not the case. You know, I've got my own passions and my own drive and ambition, but certainly making him proud and being a loud proud Jew as he was wow. is very um empowering to think that wow look what his son has done because kind of as you're saying I'm, I'm very 
proud to kind of hate using that word now but like <laughs> proud of what I've achieved and and it's in part due to him and the way he raised me like I said yes. in my, yes. I think I said in the intro the acknowledgement acknowledgements no I in, in my first book I dedicated the book to my mother and I said thank you for making me a proud Jew and they really did so I feel like exactly as you said Lador Vador like that's amazing and it is that continuous nature yes. of what we're engaged in here what yeah. about you yeah and um yeah and just going on to the door like having children myself so I really that has been such a thing for me that door like realizing what my mom has given me and what I do with it now to pass to my to the it's it's very powerful stuff so for me personally you've talked about your partner also I'm fortunate enough to to have gone through this with with a very wonderful husband who's just I like to talk about my mom a lot and I like to let it out. And every every time I do, or every time something triggers me or every time I know I can just share it with him and or my brother or my father or my aunties or one of my aunties I'm very close to. And so knowing that I've, I have, I have had them around, I mean, I'm very much talking about the first year, so I can still remember those sort of smaller details. Um, it, Cause obviously now I don't, it doesn't happen as regularly, but certainly even when it did, I just, I just talk about it. I don't hold anything in. I, I want to release it. I want it to come out. Um, yeah, don't hold it in. And the other thing that I've done more recently in the last six months. So I used to, I love going running. I drop my girls at school. Then before I start the work day, I go for a run on hamster teeth. And what I've done in the last six months, which is so special for me is I, well, basically, ever since she died, I've always loved Israeli music and Jewish music, but ever since she died, it's pretty much all I listen to. And um, when I go running now, I put on Israeli and Jewish music, a lot of the same music. I never get tired of it, the same songs. And I run around and listen to it. And I run on the part of the Heath where we used to walk together. And I just, it's my time. Sometimes, you know, lately, actually, I haven't been thinking about her as much, but often I I, I use that time to think about her, not because this is my time to think about it. It's just naturally listening yeah. to music, having space in the day to to sort of connect with that part of me that in the day-to-day, you know, it's busy. We don't stop and feel, and feel yeah. you know, like we're good. Um, so I found that to be really beneficial. Also journaling has really helped. And also just doing things in my own time. You talked about earlier about someone saying something, oh yeah, something about using the word died and you didn't like that and you told them. And so I've been like that as well. If I don't want something said or I don't want to do it or I don't want to, I'm not ready to party or whatever it is, like I would really say, it's your grief journey yeah. unless you feel it's you're dealing with it in an incredibly unhealthy way which most of us aren't just do it your way like I always say your Jewish life your way you know the same for this people want to know what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with and in fact you're doing them a favor so you know I'm in my 40s and unfortunately it happened to me because I have the confidence to do that whereas that you're your younger age that I don't know if I'd have had the confidence to tell people uh no please don't <laughs> you're you're emotionally nah. ahead of me um, it was I guess it was just almost like instinctual it was yes. I really kind of I used to have a I mean I less so now I just I'm a, I'm in I, I don't have the habit of saying the word died but yeah I had a physical reaction to that word I was not even though all of the Jewish rituals that we're talking about and the Jewish structure was very raw that word for some reason was too raw for me exactly. and I was like, nope 
Yeah, it's a denial. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like when I see her, you know, yeah. your birth to 2021, I'm like, what? I don't, I don't want to see it. And I want to thank you, Ben, because it's been great, actually, this episode. It's everything I wanted it to be. I hope you feel the same. And the reason we recorded it together was when I had uh, Ben on the podcast a few months ago, I asked him a question that I asked all my guests, and he gave me the most surprising answer. And the question was what is your favorite Jewish tradition? And often people talk about Shabbat or they talk about a holiday or they talk about something with an yeah. element of, of associated joy. And you talked about, you said Jewish morning and I was so struck and I just, and that's how we got the idea to record together. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I don't get to talk about this either. And I think that we don't, I don't think anyone talks about it enough. I think particularly like British society, but even, even as Jews, we don't talk about it enough you know this it's a part of all of our lives it's almost like we go through the motions of it because we know the framework yeah but we should still give people space to talk about it and and we should have discussions about how you know how our and just like conversations like this how the jewish structure and the jewish ritual enables people you know it's just i think having conversations about death and grief and mourning is important it's an important part of a society Yes. Yeah. We have inside my smashing life. It's my, my Jewish community. We have a messenger group that we can talk about grief or if we've lost someone and I'm like you with your word died, dead, whatever. I still haven't, I didn't know. I don't want to join that particular subgroup inside, inside my own community. I'm just not ready. For Some people it's been incredibly healing and I've got the outlet of friends, husband, family, but maybe some others don't. And it's just been really, really healthy. Well, Ben, um, we are going to record more together, no doubt. And you're just such a great friend of the podcast. It's been been good today. Yes, it is. And this is important. So thank you for having me for this conversation. If this episode inspired you in some way, I'd love you to take a screenshot of you listening on your device and post it to your Instagram stories and tag me at your Jewish life. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram and be your Instagram friend. That'd be fun. And I'd also love you to subscribe and share the episode with anyone you know who might benefit from it. I'd love you to leave a review as well. All these ways make sure that more people get to listen to the podcast and get inspired to live their Jewish life their way and we can spread the Jewish joy. So that would be a lovely mitzvah if you wanted to leave a review or share this episode with a friend or subscribe. One more thing I want to tell you about just before I go today is I've got a really great handy checklist for you if you are trying to build a Jewish home or you've got a home and you want to make it more Jewish or you just want to feel more Jewish at home. It is a free checklist for everything you need in a modern Jewish home, literally covering everything you need to set up your modern Jewish home. If you've got a lot of these things, it's just a great reminder. There's links to everything you need as well. So it's really handy in that way too. There's checklists for Rosh Hashanah, Shabbat, Hanukkah, Passover, and lots of minor Jewish holidays as well. And all sorts of fun ideas for the items too. So just head to yourjewishlife.co slash Jewish home if you want to grab that checklist. That's yourjewishlife.co, that's .co slash Jewish home, all one word. The checklist is for you, whether you're Jewish, Jewish, or becoming Jewish. Let me know what you think. Drop me a line on Instagram and have a great day.